Hello and welcome to the Diageo Bar Academy podcast, Bar Chat. Join me, your host, Tristan Stevenson, as I chat to some of the biggest and best names in the industry on a whole range of bar-related topics. From the finer details of spirits and cocktails to the latest global trends. We hope you're inspired by the variety of episodes available. I am joined here today by two legends of the industry, Tim Phillips Johansson and the wonderful Jamie Jones. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, hey, mate. How are you going? Good, thank you. It's great to be joined by two other reasonably short, dark-haired bartenders. We are kind of like the one of the trinities of uh, the industry, I would say, spanning continents, right? I'm still optimistic I'm still growing, actually, so <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you in my wake one day, I hope. Yeah, I gave up on that, that hope many years ago. As did I, as did I. <laughs> um, so I was trying to think about when we first met. Now, Tim, I'm, I kind of have a couple of ideas about when we first encountered each other. I think there were two or three occasions. Jamie, I wasn't so sure, but I know that I've known both of you for around about 10 years, maybe. Yeah, exactly right. I, I dare say it was at the opening of Pearl. I, mm. We may not have necessarily met, but I came along to that. Um, had a great night, had some great drinks, obviously. I remember you, you stood on the table and told everyone about how all you wanted to do was just make the best drinks in the world. And then we all sat back and watched you and raised our eyes a little bit. And I think what I said was we wanted to open the best bar in London. And you were working at the time in probably the best bar in London. So I think you were pretty dismissive of my, my uh, optimism. I was I wasn't that dismissive that then that, that sort of that's all come with time now that's all <laughs> indeed um, and then we met again in perhaps world class in Delhi I think or then we went then we met in Guatemala as well I don't know which of those came first but we were visiting the Rondas of Capitas Delhi weren't we yeah we had a good couple of days there didn't we it was um, it was great obviously a truly wicked experience I mean. If you get to go to any distillery around the world, why not go to somewhere, Central America, distilleries obviously above the clouds, everyone knows the story, but uh, yeah, hanging out for a couple of days as well was a lot of fun as well, it was good. Uh, Jamie, do you know when we first met? Do you know, I I think it was one of the first kind of outings of what World Class became when you were doing a thing in Nottingham, was it Coco Tang? Oh yes. With yep. fermented ginger beers that you'd been making yep. and a presentation to some bartenders, mm. came down from Manchester I think that was the first time in the flesh. And then I remember fondly the class bartender of the year final. Mm. You won the very last one. I was in that with you. Yeah. Ryan Chetty, whoever that guy became. So you he lost was in the final. Jamie. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there was, yeah. Tristan kind of came out of that shining and, uh, and owned it ever since. But, yeah. Uh, well, now I get to present those awards, which is pretty yeah. good. <laughs> um, and, then, and then, of course, you rose to fame when uh, you won world-class Great Britain and competed in... That was Mexico, the final It year. was, 2017. Yeah, that was good fun. Fantastic experience. Yeah, and you're still involved in world-class now. You're doing bits and pieces at the competition this year. That's right, yeah. We were... Um, myself, uh, Mido, who previously competed, Pippa Guy uh, and Kyle Jameson, we were all captains with Johan Eklund as well, uh, which was a lot of fun having seen the, the other side of the, the nerves, the competition, the anticipation, to then be able to kind of guide and mentor those nervous bartenders and, and really help them out uh, on a personal level as well as just make sure things are done to the right level. It was good fun. I mean, it's one of the best things about the competition, I think, is that anyone who competes sort of tends to keep on getting brought back into the fold and become more and more embedded into the competition yeah. and kind of build that whole culture of world class. And people have, like, made entire careers off this uh, 
program. I'm just looking at Tim to my left because he was basically nothing before. Well, <laughs> ridden the gravy train pretty hard, haven't I? Actually, it's coming to a screaming halt, though. Becoming less and less, and less relevant as the years go on. But I appreciate the, the invite to the podcast. Just to, just to this is your swan song, mate. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> but I mean, you won it, didn't you? And uh, was that Rio? Uh, yeah, Rio, Rio. Um, and then obviously I lost it the year before. In, in Delhi. Delhi, so yeah. I've, I've seen the yeah, I've seen the, the the good side and the bad side and roller roller coaster of emotions, obviously from both years. You're listening to Diageo Bar Academy's new podcast, Bar Chat. Still to come. I kind of had a, a light club moment at probably 25. Where I was like, well, look, I'm in this now, and I just needed to stop. For example, going for a drink after work, treating it as a profession. So we are here mostly to just natter away, but. Um, the reason I wanted to get you guys on is because um, we share more than just our height and the colour of our hair, but we're also quite keen athletes. We uh, enjoy going for a good run. We like getting out and exercising. And, um, you know, this idea of kind of wellness and balancing your lifestyle um, and doing things outside of work um, that are, you know, good for you, good for your family, good for your personal uh, progress is is becoming a much much hotter topic in the bar industry today. So um, I I don't know who who wants to kick it off. Jamie, you're training for a marathon at the moment, right? Yeah. And how many marathons have you done before? I've just done. I did Manchester earlier this year, first one. Uh, I've got New York coming up, and then I've signed up for a load next year already. So was there a sort of single defining trigger moment where you said, you know what, uh, I need to start looking after myself. I want to improve myself physically, mentally, outside of work. Um, what happened? Yeah, I think all uh, all of the above. Um, I think I went I went through uh, a couple of years of of working um, some tough tough gigs, some long hours, from being self employed to working for a big corporate company, um, and you know a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, and it was tough. You know, I had some um, some really dark and down points within that. Um, and you know, it's, it's not easy to, to come out at the other side with, with personal life and professional life being a lot of pressure either side and not, neither of it being very positive. Got to sort of, it was probably about a year and a half ago and this kind of just looking back, kind of coming back out of my, my sort of darker point to being more positive and seeing people again and got to a point where, um, I just kind of looked at myself and I hadn't realised how how big I'd gotten. Um, I'd, I'd weighed myself and I was coming in at about 13 stone at the time. And it's not like I was showing dramatically, but w- looking back on that, it was like, goodness, that's, you know, that was quite a quite a, a thing I didn't realise had just crept up on me and all of a sudden I just got fat and very unhealthy. What's your, what's your playing weight now? What are you? What are you uh, so 65 kilos, so just okay. over 10 and a bit. You know, I'm a very competitive person, not necessarily against other people, but certainly with myself. And it was that constant dangling a carrot of pushing and pushing and pushing myself with no reward for anybody but self-reward that kind of really motivated me. And and then obviously seeing other people within the industry that you know, following them through different things with social media or through uh, apps like Strava that you can track it. And just starting to see what these kind of, again, these levels of other people are achieving, you kind of say, well, if he can do that, then I'm going to keep chasing that and push and push and push and push. We, we all come from a bartending background. Of course, you're on your feet during a shift. You're working long hours. 
you're uh, you know you're burning quite a lot of calories during that process. And then once you step away from the bar and you become a brand ambassador, or you become a manager, or you become someone that's sat in front of a computer looking at spreadsheets instead of that you know nightly grind. It's very easy just to start piling on weight because you're not moving around as much anymore, and you're still taking in you know plenty of food, especially so if you're traveling a lot as a BA, for example. Uh, and eating in nice restaurants, you know, enjoying the food, exactly all the things that come <laughs> with that. And I mean, I had that experience myself I, when I when I sort of first stopped bartending, and then I went back to it later on and became a BA for a few brand ambassador for a few years. Um, I was like, wow, you know, I've probably put on a stone here in in the space of six months. Nothing's really changed, but I'm just not on my feet anymore. I'm just sat in a car or I'm sat in a restaurant or I'm, you know, the, the biggest exercise all day was sort of pacing around whilst conducting a tasting, you know. <laughs> um, and it's something that you've, got, you've, you've just got to be mindful of it. You've got to realise what, if, you, if your lifestyle changes in that way, you need to then adjust something else in order to keep I mean, things balanced. We're not as young as we were. The metabolism doesn't do the same job anymore. Yeah. You just, you have to actively chase it now. Tim, did you have a kind of, trigger moment a sort of an epiphany at some time where you're like you know what i need to integrate exercise into my daily routine or have you, or have you always exercised has it always been something that's been a part of your life no nah, it hasn't it, uh, to be mate to be perfectly honest with you exercise early days was fairly limited and utilitarian it was get it in where you can and my probably first six years of bartending were uh, I'd say fairly, fairly unsustainable. Um, so there was a bit of a light globe moment where, you know, I'd be, it wasn't just about me, um, you know, consuming alcohol in shift, for example. It would be the fact that after my shift, after working this 13 hours or whatever, I'd go out and I'd get a souvlaki and I'd eat this light food as the sun comes up with a few drinks in my belly. I'd get home and it was, and, and it was, it was just, it was just bad. Like I was just consuming a lot of salt, a lot of fat, mm. um, too much alcohol. And I kind of had a, a light club moment at probably 25. Where I was like, well, look, I'm in this now. You know, it's probably too late to go and do my university degree now. I'm, I'm used to earning a full-time wage. Uh, and I just needed to stop, for example, going for a drink after work. Um, I needed to stop drinking at work, treating it as a profession. Um, and certainly I've got a very much a, uh, work hard, play hard mentality, and now I think the balance is is there. I'm ge- I'm getting there, but I'm always striving to um, improve improve myself. Now that I've got a kid, obviously as well, you you know there's there's bigger things in life that you you have to look out for, and a lot of people don't necessarily love the exercise that they do. Um, but that was kind of a turning point after a while of running, actually going, oh my God, like I'm getting so much more out of this than losing 500 calories. I'm you know, my mind's clearer. I, I've got back that huge dopamine release Such when, a I, when I finish finish a run, and that could that could be applicable to anyone, whether mm. they 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 want to play tennis or some squash or um, you know a bit of swimming, anything like that. that. That that dopamine release you get at the end and that meditative process of clearing your head, and it's not all about kind of just listening to bangers on your on your iPod or whatever, or, or, or listening to a podcast or anything. Sometimes I run without anything, and mm. it's. They're the, they're the best runs. They're the most joyous. Yeah, I stopped listening to music a, a, a couple of years ago because I realised that it was then becoming kind of music time. And actually, as soon as you, you know, your iPod dies or whatever, you, you're not able to do that. You're like, oh, this is a completely different experience because you're focused on your breathing. And for a long time, I was kind of saying to people, you need to try this. It's like a form of meditation because you just focus on the breath. Your mind is right in there. 
Try not to look at your watch to see what pace you're running at. Just focus on that breath. And and also, like, the, the less people around you, the better, because it just allows you to kind of get sucked into that time. And you can lose five or ten minutes. And it sounds strange to someone who doesn't run, the thought of, like, there being sort of near zero effort to it. You're just kind of in that flow state. But it's absolutely possible. And, you know, I kind of get a little bit evangelical about it sometimes um, because it is it's so therapeutic. And it's really what comes after the running the rest of the day that is the greatest reward um, because you do get that dopamine endorphin rush afterwards. You're like, wow, I, f- I feel so good, especially if you get up and do an early run. It's the inherent sense of smugness you have <laughs> yeah. over everyone else for the rest of the day. Lording. If you've exercised before 8 a.m. And you've put it on Instagram, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, well, it's, it didn't happen if you've not. <laughs> but this is it, you know, you kind of... So, did you... Uh, you've been for a run this morning? Uh, oh, no, you haven't. Look them up and down. Yeah, well, so, I have. I've just started um, sort of making a bit of a transition to working in an office as well. So um, one of the things I found, obviously, was now I have to be at a desk at 9 a.m. What are you doing, like photocopying tea? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I'd get, to, I'd get to work at 9 a.m. and I just, I'd just i feel awful. And then by the end of the day, I, you know, I would have taken a thousand steps. So, you know, the, the run from the, from home to work and having that shower at the office... Um, you know, you end up you end up doing your ten k's in the morning. You showered. You're at your desk by nine, and and everyone else is sort of getting into work, especially through the winter, freezing. You know, and taking off all their coats and and, and scarves and things. And you're going, it's great out there. Mm. What are you on about? It's brisk. It's mm. beautiful. I think that building building your exercise into your commute is a is a huge part, especially you know with somewhere like London, the underground. It's it's never comfortable, but you know, you if you have the ability, and it is a five or ten k jog to work even in the brisk cold you know you you still you get that achievement in the morning you know you can face it again in the evening and you just you know you're you're getting to work whilst also benefiting from you know the health side of it and if you're throwing a a book on whilst you're running you've got that kind of education piece going on exactly it's good for the environment absolutely what else do you want and you you get to avoid the tube as well i mean it really is win 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 isn't it (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean talking about getting that run in early in the morning right that 10k by the way, I ran 10k this morning. Anyone else? Uh, I, I, I was about 400 meter walk to the tube. Mine's uh, <laughs> my, my, my 15k is this afternoon. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, 15k. <laughs> right now I'm going to have to get another six in at some point. <laughs> I remember you said that to me at uh, World Class this year. I'd, I'd gotten out a 7k or something, and you came down in your running gear and you said, "Did you go for a run this morning?" I was like, "Yeah, man. I just did. I did a seven. And you're like. Do an eight then. <laughs> went and knocked it out and came back. You know, the main just reason just I do you know the main reason I do that, and I don't do it that often, but I do do it to you and obviously you, both of you, um, is that I'm, it's like a challenge. I don't want to win. I want you to then next time go. You know what? I'm going to do another kilometer yeah. than him and see how he likes that. And that that sort of it's it's I'm more competitive in myself than I am with other people as well. But but you like to win. we're in the business of racing so yeah why not um so you're talking about fitting in that 10k in the morning how would you advise someone to find that time because find someone you you, you point someone out to me who doesn't think that they've got a really busy life that can't accommodate exercise right so what would you be your advice to fitting that in in the morning or the afternoon or any any point in their day so it's like I don't want to, I don't want to just discard people's self scheduling and say that no, there is always time, but it, you have to list it as a priority. As a as a, a guy that's just become a father this year, I manage a couple of businesses. Um, I work with an agency in Australia. 
um, close to full time with them as well. Um, but for me, priority is is the exercise because it's it's like I said, it's not about the the five hundred calories or it's the, it's the mental state it puts me in. It makes me a better person, makes me a better employee, um, makes me a better husband, father, all the rest of it. So, um, I mean. <laughs> To be honest with you, for me to get to work, it takes the same amount of time as getting public transport by running. And it's not because I'm rapid. It's just because that it's generally a quite a slow commute. Um, if you get a, a, an hour lunch break every day, you know, just going for a walk for 45 minutes and then coming back and finishing your lunch there, like you don't get a sweat up necessarily and you come back and again, you've done that, done that exercise. And it's, again, it's not about the, the calorie burning. It's about the mental state. Um, so I think you've just got to find, find time for it and turn your commute into the exercise a lot of the time. Yeah. I remember when I was, um, I was, I, I can't remember which one but I was writing, writing, uh, I think my whiskey book, I was getting very stressed, um, every single day. Like, I, you know, I've, I've got so much writing to do. The deadline's coming up. I don't know how I'm going to fit all this in. And my exercise was suffering as a result because I was like, I just don't have time for this. And my wife sat me down one day and she was like, you're not running because you're stressed and you don't think you've got time for it. But if you go running, you will no longer be stressed, and suddenly your schedule of writing and everything you need to do will fall into place perfectly. And she's absolutely right. It was like a paradox, basically. Yeah. You know. And as soon as I go out, even if it was a 5K run, just 30 minutes, time on my own, breathing, you get back and you feel like bulletproof after that. You know, mm. you're like, ah, oh, it all makes sense. Why was I not running? You yeah. know? I, was, I really thought then you were going to tell me a story about how to write a book while running. Damn it! He's got, he's got one of those uh, treadmill desks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about diet? I've have seen a lot of the guys and girls who work for me before. You know, it's a quick pre-shift ready meal um, before service starts, and they're just kind of getting carbohydrates down their throat to fuel their way through that evening shift. So, so I mean, question is like, what you know, given it's a busy. Um, profession and you're kind of trying to be on point and you you know you're rushing around to get a, a venue prepped and then you're opening and you know you're not going to get a chance after there and if you do you're kind of snacking off stuff from the kitchen um or nuts you know or whatever what can you do like to 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 improve your food intake and the quality and the variety of food that you're eating um so i think it's pretty i think it's pretty important for as a two-prong that venue operators and owners and chefs are giving that staff meal that actually is going to be full of sustenance. Um, coupled with the fact that I think that, yeah, the changing tide of bartending has meant that when I started 15, 18 years ago, whatever it was, there was always that dead corner in the bar where you would see generally where bartenders would keep their cigarettes, their lighter and like a Mars bar or something like that. Uh, and that would be, that'd be their shift yeah. supplements, yeah. maybe an energy drink or something like yeah. that. And now you sort of go over and it's it's generally like a granola bar, it's a bag of salted almonds Bottle and it's a, yeah, and it's a kombucha or something. So I think that's um I mean that's a that's just a really sort of beautiful sort of way that the industry is changing and um I think it's I think it's important that, that the bartenders at least at the very least have that preparedness of having, you know, if it's you know, if it's dark chocolate covered almonds that tickles your fancy, that used to be my thing, like halfway through a shift. Fancy. Yeah, well, you know, we're pretty fancy down in down in Oz these days, mate. We've got we've got all of it now. We've got books. Yeah, really good coffee. I'm not going to go down that route. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get so cut yeah, anyway. Just, so just 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 be prepared for that. Granola bars, almonds, that kind of thing works better than um, than a toffee crisp. But also, I think also making sure that you've you've primed your body as well. It's it's three meals a day. 
of some sort. It's having something decent for breakfast. You know, you, you working in a bar, you know you're not going to have a big meal for dinner. So it's making sure you've got the right things in your body at the first opportunity. Take that second hit during the middle of the shift if you can. And then by the end of it, if it's two, three, four in the morning, by the time you get home, you're not going to be eating anything too big and too heavy. So we used to do on Fridays um, at Bulletin when we opened, it was generally a, we just didn't have the chance to, to, to take a break. So we'd sort of set up the bar and then we'd open at four, but at 3.30 we'd, we'd sit down and we'd eat and that would be it for the, for the whole of the day. We'd very rarely even go for food after work. We might take a protein shake or something late at night, but that was it. I remember like just force feeding myself these grain salads. <laughs> I knew they were just, they, they had the most sustenance. They were going to keep me full the longest. Yeah. It had everything I needed. I didn't even like them. Like don't tell my wife because she didn't she, <laughs> she make them. But it was just that I just knew that, you know what, this is going to keep me full for eight to 10 hours because um, I've put in the effort and I've made sure that I've stacked it with nutrients. But I think a lot of it is is, is sometimes it's just doing something for the benefit of your body, not not taking the shortcut for guilty pleasure. It's not just jumping down the route of the, the sugar fix, of the, the takeaway food, because that's going to be the quick fix, but it's not going to do you those favours long term. It's not going to make you feel good the next day. Yeah, but I think it's about stepping back and just looking at your habits and trying to work out the ones that are not conducive to like a happy, healthy life. And that kind of like desperate smash and grab eating like before or during a shift is would be one of those things, you know. I, mean, I don't think any of us here have stopped eating some of the nice things and the, the guilty little pleasures that we've always had, pizzas and whatever it might be. I still, it's not like I'm on a strict, strict diet and I only eat certain things. But the balance for me is that I can eat the things I want to eat because yeah. the exercise allows me to... That's to exactly it. Yeah. And, and I, it, it's e I think it's easy um, for people like us when we talk about, oh, you need to go out and do running, it's going to be great for you. You know, sometimes that that may may not be uh, you know a suggestion that's well received because there's this idea that actually we've got pretty imbalanced lifestyles. Oh, you're all just concerned with diet and exercise and everything, but the whole purpose of being of doing this stuff is so that you can have another slice of cake or mm -hmm. you can enjoy a beer, uh, not so that you just give up all the things that you know are, are thought to be you know things that make you happy um, in in favor of uh, you know running around the place and eating. Protein shakes. I think it's the the biggest buzzword in our industry at the moment is sustainability. Mm. Um, Bulletin Place was fortunate enough just to win an award for our sustainable bar program, and I've thought about that a lot. And it's it's not about the for us, it's not about the composting ingredients and the the, the single use stuff and using whole ingredients kind of closed loop attitude. It's sustainability of staff, retaining staff. So as soon as bar owners and managers can take responsibility to keep their staff mentally prepared like feed them if you can give them the breaks don't work them over 40 hours um make sure that they're not working a close and coming in the next day um for, for setup like all of these things for me that's that's sustainable practices which which create a better bar environment and a better team and uh, and a better bar this episode is brought to you by johnny walker Johnny Walker is passionate about energising bar managers and bartenders to pursue their richest life, whether behind the bar or in front of it. This involves supporting them in the pursuit of a long-term, rewarding and balanced career that helps them taste more out of life. This whole kind of like getting yourself into like an exercise philosophy, like making it part of your day, it sort of is like a domino effect. It leads to other kind of lifestyle changes because you don't want to undo all of the good work you're doing, right? Yeah. So... Is diet? Do you guys have specific diet regimes? Any types of food that you make sure you eat or don't eat? 
there was there was a time a couple of years ago um, where I was running a lot, going to the gym a few times a week, and I was on a quite a high animal protein, low carbohydrate diet. And and and, and honestly, well, I'm going to sit around the t- uh, table with you guys and say that I'm a professional in any way. But what I found with that was um, I was. <laughs> I was constantly sad because I was missing out on bread and pasta, really. That was the thing. And and that coupled with the fact my flatulence was out of control with all with all the beef I was eating. Um and then, then you start sort of reading about sort of the impact that, that a diet like that has on the on the environment in general and um and you know, I, I don't wanna I mean, people turn vegetarian or vegan for a number of reasons. Um some of it's for animal welfare, some of it is for personal health, and some of it is for you know, the globe's health um, and whatever one of those pillars that you might choose it for uh, are all quite, all quite worthy. Um, so for me, it was the, the personal health thing was kind of the big thing. So I found I came back from taking a year sabbatical, came back, um, had stopped eating meat, still ate, still ate fish. Um, and I was making my own bread, making my own pasta, eating, eating lots more of all of that. And I was a lot happier. You sort of realize that one of the, one of the, the the biggest things that we're missing in a lot of our education through schools is, 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 is diet and nutrition. And I even look back at like the, we would call them a home economics class where you'd cook something and the things we were cooking and this the is cake usually, right? Yeah. It's generally like <laughs> muffins or like gammon steaks with like a pineapple ring. And you're like, like, what are we doing? It's one of your like, five a day. Yeah. What are we, te- like, what are we, te- why aren't we teaching kids, you know, how to, like, how to make a, a frittata, how to poach an egg, like, how to do the basics to set themselves up for success once they move out of home? Just a point you touched on there that's not even related to diet as such, but actually cooking and preparing your own food. That there's something also kind of cathartic about that as well. Just like we were talking about running and getting in a flow state, standing in the kitchen, you know, mixing something up or chopping something. Um, preparing food, especially when it's for other people, I find it incredibly therapeutic. I mean, even though I work pretty long hours and often deadlines and, you know, bar openings, whatever, stressful stuff going on, when I'm at home, 90% of the time I make the effort to come down to the kitchen and actually prepare food yeah. for, for my family. And it... I think the key thing that you said there is when you're at home, that, that mm. balance we're talking about here is life on the road is where this undoes itself because you, it, yeah. you are unable to to cook and create and make that balanced meal. The, yeah. the choices that you make actively are, are thrown and, out the window when you're then and the being unsoci- wined and dined in a very nice sure. restaurant. And, and, and the unsociable hours of bartending as Absolutely. well, of course, upset that. So, you know, we've talked about how you would try and fit exercise into a kind of normal nine to five day. But if you're a bartender who's still kind of working extremely unsociable shifts, their day starts at like 4 p.m. and it finishes at 4 a.m., um, you know, they get home just as the sun's coming up. How... and And... I should say that I think you guys would probably agree that during my time as a bartender, um, as I say, I'm sure it was the same for you guys, pulling exercise into that routine and those unsociable hours was not really something that occurred to me. Every day was just a grind. You get through it. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. You know, you get that sense of camaraderie with the team behind the bar. But, you know, I, the thought of kind of getting up at midday and then going for a run and then going into my shift would have been very tricky. So if we were to give some, like, genuinely usable advice to someone who's still working those kind of shifts as to what changes they can make to their lifestyle in order to improve themselves and the relationships with other people, what would you say? I would I'd 100% say that you should invest in the place you sleep. So the room where you actually get your sleep, if you are getting home at, as the sun's coming up, making sure you obviously you've got a nice comfortable bed that supports you, making sure you've got a dark room, 
um, making sure you, 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 you make your bed every day and coming back and you, you're going into a bit of a sanctuary, keeping your room clean, making sure that that space is a space where you can you can refuel yourself. Because as you said, you mean, you, you're probably doing 20,000 steps a night through, through the course of a bar shift, not to mention all the squats, not to mention uh, all the reaches, you know, the box jumping onto the back bar. It's what we do in Australia. Uh, and then it's... Um, you do. You get tired out, and you're exactly right. You might be getting up at four, and I was probably living off five, six hours a night sleep when I was bartending frequently. But then on the weekends, my weekend when I'd have the night off, that's when I'd you know almost almost have that that ten, eleven hours, mm. and it's it's that binge sleeping. It's not it's not balanced necessarily. So I have you have to set yourself up for good sleep. That's that's probably my biggest tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I think I'll I'll be the boring guy that says it's a lot easier to get up and run without a hangover. Mm. You know, it's. It's that moderation the night before. It's not not you know. It's not abstaining completely, but yeah. not carry the party on too late. If you need yeah. to make sure you're getting up and driving yourself the next morning, mate. I'll go one further and say that there was a one of the best decisions I've made in my bartending career was I just stopped going out for drinks after work. Yeah. It's about ten years ago. I just said, um, you know what, like this is this is time for me to. I want to be able to seize the day tomorrow. I want to be able to go home, get a good sleep. Um, even a couple of drinks can probably probably affect your sleep cycle as well. So just making sure you had that had that clear head, especially through your work week. You know, uh, professional bartenders we've got to start res- respecting. And there's been a huge tidal change since when I started respecting the fact that this is your this is your work week. You know, most most punters or most people who've got nine to five Monday to Fridays aren't going out for a few drinks or having drinks at their workplace every day. And you're actually not drinking, are you, Jamie? I'm not. No, I am. I am. I'm coming up to the end of a, a five-month, twenty-block, uh, twenty-week block of training for what I've been trying to achieve here, which is putting in between sixty to hundred kilometers a week, and that's kind of standard what you are running anyway. And it's people who are starting out running. The biggest thing that they'll often say is, you know, it 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 tires me out. It hurts. I'll do do five k and I'll feel my calves. I'll push to eight k and I'll feel my legs the next day. But as as the more often you repeat that, the body adjusts to it and it it does get easier. It's just the hardest thing is putting your shoes on to get out the door. And once you've mm. once you've pushed yourself out and through, as we were saying before, that reward, those endorphins that come at the end of it, are what yeah. make you chase the tail again the next day. I honestly think that the the best bit of advice I was ever given to get started. And we we might be speaking to a little bit of an echo chamber with this. That there might be people listening, bartenders listening, who, who do a, a number of exercise and they're, they're passionate about their activity of choice. But there, there's probably a lot of other people listening that you know are asking those exact same questions. And, that, and when I was that person trying to get into running, I remember a mate just saying to me, "Come on, mate, just do twenty minutes, like twenty minutes. Yeah. You know, it's not even an episode of Friends." Like we can just we yeah. can, and they go quickly. I tell you what, nah. you get stuck on them. <laughs> but then when you're asking someone to forfeit an episode of Friends, right? That's pretty serious. Yeah. So there you go. iPad on the treadmill. That's exactly. <laughs> that. Friends omnibus. Away you go. Exactly. Before you know, it, you've done a marathon. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But a lot of it is it's distracting the mind. You know, if it is a treadmill, it's putting Netflix on and just do the distance over whatever time. But. You know, it's, if you're if you're blocking your mind out from fighting you and telling you I don't want to do this anymore, if it's distracted, that's the the hardest part I think about starting. Yeah, so I 100% recommend training for a marathon. Just uh, stick on YouTube, Ricky Ponting highlights. <laughs> you got you got yeah you got two and a half hours worth of pull shots there at the there very least. Uh, I mean, you, you're right, Jamie, when you say that when it, when you first start running or cycling or indeed any activity like this, you're not likely to be very good at it straight off the cuff because your, your body's got to get used to it and 
running with running in particular, your body is designed to do this kind of thing. So you got to you've got to. Um, Can I pull you up on that? On them because I I read that we're like the only mammal that weren't designed to run. We're not like. I'm shaking my head. Take, yeah, just yeah, shaking yeah, yeah, his head. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, we 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 are designed to run. Do you know? There's a few kind of. Um, uh, Why do we have to wear shoes? Well, we don't. I mean, there's a big there's a big argument now, a big push up. for barefoot running. It's... Yeah, well, that's because you've been wearing shoes all your life. The base, the soles of your feet are these kind of soft, puffy, white things. They okay, should so... be these tough <laughs> hobbit feet. What you gain in bringing us back to our human ancestors by wearing those barefoot shoes, you lose in dignity by having those individual compartments yeah. for each no, of your don't, toes. Don't they those. are horrible. They are yeah, they're, they're rough. Yeah, like they're, you've you've got a pair of those. No, I don't you? have a pair of those. So no, one no. step forward, two steps back. <laughs> no, we're 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 really. Um, sort of anatomically designed for long distance running. And one of the main kind of markers of that is the fact that we can run and breathe, uh, we can pace or our cadence doesn't have to match our breath. So you take any animal that has four legs, their breath has to match their cadence because of the way their torso moves mm-hmm. when they run. Wombat. Oh, man, no one even knows what one of them is. What is it, a small kangaroo or something? No, it's a wallaby. What, what is a wombat? It's not, it's not a bat or a womble, I know that it's much. Basically, it's, like a, it's like a little keg with legs. <laughs> Johnny Walker caught up with further bartenders to hear how they achieve the right work-life balance. We all work a lot of hours, but you've got to make that time for yourself to do the good things you want to do outside of work. Routine, uh, they're important, especially in the morning. You have your routine in the morning when you wake up in order to switch on the brain, switch on the body. Have your own time, at least in the morning, because then throughout the day we know what's happening. uh, We're surrounded by information, by people, and we give a lot, we give a lot. Traditionally you would do 60, 70 hours a week, and it's just... It doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for the business in my opinion. So yeah, not not drinking when you don't have to. So you know taking taking days off is really, really important. We need to be able to find time for ourselves. To give ourselves the back the care that we give to our guests. Learn to say no. I'm still trying to work on it, but also make sure that you're available for important private events. So birthdays of best friends, uh, happenings in your, in your family life, be, be there uh, and don't be gone for 10 years. I think not just within our industry, but within every industry, everyone's sort of realizing that actually to get the most out of your work, you need to switch off from it as well. Are there any other people, whether it be individuals in sort of health industry or, or like, uh, I don't know, like dietitians or chefs or athletes that have particularly inspired or motivated you. I'm thinking about people that you, we could like direct, you know, the listeners towards who, you know, don't listen to us three talk about it. You want to get motivated, think about this. Well, I mean, you person. obviously pulled up uh, It Hurts Me the other day. The, oh, Can't Hurt Me. Can't Hurt Me, yeah. beg your pardon. David yeah. Goggins, yeah. Who's a, a very inspirational person, but, you know, he doesn't, doesn't mess around with what he's trying to tell you. Have you read that book, Tim? No, no, no. I'm, I haven't. I don't know how to read yet. So if there's one, a copy on tape, I'll. Yeah, I'll it's get an it. audio book version. Uh, yeah. So what's his what's his deal? So he's um, a former um, Navy SEAL. Uh, who, oh yeah, I've heard about this. Yeah, actually. he ended up doing a lot of sort of charitable events, um, and as part of that, just kind of um, applied to a bunch of mad endurance events, ultra marathons of a hundred miles plus, having had no experience doing it at all. Um, in fact, he was. Very much like a, a gym guy who's you know really stacked and um, not really physically um, appropriate for running incredibly long distances, but just through willpower alone he managed to 
kind of get through these things, almost killed himself in the process on a couple of occasions, and then went on to start winning them. And then after that, not content, he ended up um, trying two or three times for the the, the pull-up record, where I think he did something like 5,000 pull-ups in 24 hours. Um, and then he, after that, he was kind of dubbed the fittest man in America. And since then, he's sort of just gone around doing motivational talks, written a book about it, but it's incredibly inspiring stuff. Mm-hmm. The only thing is his approach is really it's it's quite kind of masochistic um you know you've you've got a he he suggests going out and doing things that you uh, don't want to do. you don't really don't want to do but as a result of doing it you're going to feel a get, lot better afterwards get comfortable being uncomfortable exactly, exactly. that yeah um yeah i mean i've always been a big fan of tim ferris um yeah obviously his podcast is is excellent and it it's uh, it's it's varied certainly in its subjects but pre- previous to that the the books he's written um, the work week one is great, the four-week work week one, but the four-week, four-hour body, I think it's called, uh, is a great reference book for anyone who ever wants to try any form of exercise. And uh, he kind of, for, for a long time, used his body as a as a real kind of um, experimentation unit just to try everything, whether it was trying to, uh, you know, swim longer time or put on more muscle, you know. So he, he really did a big duck dive into, into all of those things and many more. And uh, it's a great reference book. It's really entertaining. Yeah, I've not read that one, actually. I've, I've, yeah. I listened to his podcast and I've heard him reference it a few times, but I should probably pick that one up. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, I've got uh, some quick fire questions, which everyone gets uh, on the show just to fire out. You, you can give me a one word answer or you can elaborate. It's as much, it's up to you. So, so uh, first question, Desert Island drink. Jamie? Espresso martini. Nice. Um, I'm probably just taking um, some some Johnny Walker Black to drink it with the coconut water. <laughs> this, it's so really you're gonna do delicious. some foraging? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all about it. I've seen enough beer grills. I've got to put it down. <laughs> okay. Um, what cocktail needs killing off? Oh, I mean, I I think the blood and sand is awful. Like, <laughs> there you go. Die. I, I, orange juice and cocktails works very, very few times. Yeah, um, yeah blood and sand. I'm gonna. I, I, that was one of my speed round drinks that killed me at the Mexico finals. So I'm yeah. happily gonna throw that in. It's the unanimous. One hundred one as well. That's uh, that's not not a, not good for blood and sand. Uh, favorite bar to have a drink in. I recently went to, and the only just springs to mind, which goes to show it's probably a really great bar, Alka Peters in Saint Petersburg. Like, kudos to those guys. They do a great job. Uh, I'm going to RIP it to Sack. Oh, that's I used to funny. love drinking sherry, drinking ice cold uh, Spanish beers. Was, cool. uh, yeah. I never got to go. For, for, so for listeners who are not aware, that's the, that's the bar that I closed down earlier this year. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Sack. Um, yeah, sherry bar. It was a, it was a great bar. Um, and then, alive or dead, favourite person that you would like to run a bar shift with? A wingman or woman? Um, I have huge admiration for the work that Dick Bradsell did through his career and, um, yeah, it would have been, would have been, I've met, it was lucky enough to meet him a few times, but in terms of influence to, to, to share a bar station with him would have been, would have been amazing. I, I think just standing next to Bill Murray, throwing out shots of tequila all night long yeah. could, uh, could be a lot Can of fun regardless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bill Murray is a bit of a hero, isn't he? Um, cool. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on. That has been a fantastic talk. Oh, actually, I've got one more question. Who is who's the fastest runner out of the three of us? Do you reckon in a race? Oh, get get out of here! Should we go out and do it? Should we go race now? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Um, thanks so much, for going on. And, and Tim, it's great to grab you, particularly because you are not often over on the British Isles or in Europe. But we hope to see more of you soon. 
And Jamie, thanks so much. Your office is about a two-minute walk from here. So I, I, I really, I didn't even run. We really appreciate the commute. Um, thanks, guys. Thank you. Take care of yourself and see you soon. Great. Thanks very thanks. much. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Bar Chat. Visit diageobaracademy.com for access to more podcast episodes and exclusive content. See you next time.